What's up there, Duke fans? Episode 168 of the Duke Basketball Report podcast. We're recording this late in the evening of Sunday, October 13th. We're just a few days away from Countdown to Craziness, and Duke football had a good day yesterday against Georgia Tech. We will get into all of that. First, I'm Donald Wine. I'm your host this week, coming to you from Washington, D.C., your home of the 2019 WNBA champion, Washington Mystics. Uh, I have my friend Sam Klein with me coming to us from Durham, and I know he has a bit of natitude this week. Isn't that right, Sam? Hey, I'm here. I'm here for the Mystics. I'm here for the Nationals. I'm here for the, the Capitals all traveling in their Nats and Mystics gear this week. I'm here for all the D.C. sports love, but I'm also here for Countdown to Craziness, which I just found out I have to miss. But it's another topic. I'll still be able to catch up on everything. I am. I can't wait to to see. It's not proper Duke basketball because they're playing each other. But mm -hmm. uh, we will be seeing the Duke basketball team. It's been a long time. They're finally gonna show up again on our either on our television screens or live in front of us if we are lucky to attend the game uh, in person. Absolutely. Uh, and for those of you out there, you guys obviously can't see this. Uh, you know that recently we started recording uh, these podcasts where we can actually see each other. And I'm looking at Sam and he's wearing a nice Washington Nationals hat to represent his hometown squad. So uh, they're up to nothing, baby. Two Let's nothing. go. Monday, Tuesday, and and maybe Wednesday if they need it, we'll be lit here in DC. Uh, um, shout out, shout out to uh, at least once DBR podcast guest and longtime Duke basketball report contributor, forum moderator, otherwise member of the community, Bob Green, who I know is a huge Cardinals fan. Bob, we're not friends this week, but <laughs> we'll, be, we'll be cool for here on out. We'll be cool. Um, uh, you, you notice it's just Sam and I talking. Jason is actually not with us this week. He's on vacation somewhere in Europe uh, for a couple of weeks, having some well-deserved rest and relaxation with his note family. The, note the, uh, the length of this podcast in your feed. Yeah, it's going to be like 12 minutes. Uh, as always, we want to thank our wonderful sponsor of the DBR podcast, Bird Campbell, your Duke-centric business law firm with offices in Florida and Texas. Head to birdcampbell.com for more information because, as you know, Bird Campbell means business. Okay, Sam. Donald, I have, Donald, I have one more, one more silly, silly, superfluous thing to note. Go for it. So we, uh, we, so we use Uber Conference to record the podcast. And for, for those of you who have ever used Uber Conference, you know, it's a it's um, online, you know, meeting tool. If you've used it in the past, you know that they've always had this hold music that's really delightful. Have you known, Donald, I don't know if you called in early to the last show or when they changed this. Do you know that they changed the hold music? Uh, wait, no, they didn't change it because you probably got Rickrolled. I got Rickrolled today yes. waiting for you. So what was I that will, about? I, that is something that can be set. So I set mine to Rickroll anyone who calls in first. But normally we're on normally we're on Jason's account, which mm -hmm. has and the Jason has hold. some. Yeah. Oh, this is a, so, this is not new, but it's something so that you because did we that never to, use mine. So, so you did that to me today. I it's always been mine. So, but we never use ours. So when I use it for my other conference calls, people get Rickrolled every single time. This is the this is the fascinating behind the scenes stuff. Yeah, things we, really we, we learn about, we learn new things every day about this platform that we use that has been so wonderful for us so far. But okay, Sam, Friday night, we get our first look at the 2019 2020 Duke Blue Devils. It's countdown to craziness time. As you know, it's full of fun. 
a little bit of a scrimmage, some dance moves, maybe some tricks. But what are you most looking forward to seeing when they unveil the team Friday night? All right. Well, we have to start with, of course, the fire new jerseys that yep. the team has been teasing for a couple weeks now on social media. They look fresh. We've talked about them here on the show, but I am excited to see them live, especially the white ones. They look fantastic. But yes. more than more than the jerseys, let's put the let's put the aesthetics of of the of the team aside and talk about the actual players on the court. I think we have to start with the freshmen because they're they're the new guys. They're the ones we only know about from you know high school highlights and and all American highlights and and scouting reports. We don't really know them from from watching them much on our own, and especially we don't know them against other college competition. Obviously, the the big test against Kansas is coming in just a few weeks, but we will get our first look at guys like Vernon Carey, Matthew Hurt, Wendell Moore, and um, and Cassius Stanley, all all for the first time this week. And I'm excited for each of them for different reasons. Obviously, Carey, we expect to be a starter right from the get-go. I think everybody else is potentially in line to start at some point during the season. Maybe they all become starters. Maybe the starting lineup becomes Trey Jones and all the freshmen, but who knows how Jack White, Alex O'Connell, Javin Delorier, all these guys are all, all factor in, but I want to see how each of the freshmen perform. We assume that we'll probably see Matthew Hurt guarding big men. Coach K mentioned during the press conference a couple weeks ago that Matthew Hurt looks the most advanced defensively and whether or not that's true, that's that's one of those Coach K speaks for Matthew Hurt is the most advanced of the freshmen. It mm-hmm. means that he trusts him the most at this point. Uh, whether or not that sort of manifests against real competition, we're going to begin to see that this week. We know that Matthew Hurt comes in with a sterling offensive reputation. He's got a pretty advanced offensive game. If he's actually able to guard threes, fours, and fives at the college level at a, you know, at a at an even average or above average uh, way, he's going to be very impactful for this team. Vernon Carey, I think we, we sort of expect to be the most advanced offensively. He's, he's got soft hands near the rim. He should be able to pull down a lot of rebounds. We heard about how he's working with Jalil Okafor and then looking at the two wing players more and, and Stanley, both of them sort of bring their own skill sets, but we're going to see how they translate against good uh, defenders like a Jack White. Jack White's probably going to be going to be guarding one of those guys during the, during the scrimmage. What are they going to be able to do against him? They've all been playing against each other now for a couple weeks, but we get the, the look into sort of how that goes. I don't really know uh, just given my sort of general musical tastes. I don't know how excited I am for the player intros because I usually, I usually don't know many of the songs admittedly, because uh that's usually my lot. area right that's I right. usually so break we, this down for everybody. we 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 rely we rely on donald primarily for that and and jason is a lot older than i am so he doesn't know any of the music either um so that that's kind of what i'm looking for from the older guys i'd say the one most interesting thing from i guess from the returning players we'll call them the most interesting thing that i'm looking for is to see how trey jones's shot has evolved or how his offensive game has evolved in general it's obviously going to take us a few games to get a sense for that. And like I said, that Kansas game is going to be is going to be here before we know it. And and we'll really get to see him immediately against good competition. But I'd love to see Trey Jones take a couple of threes against defenders who are athletic, as athletic as 
more Stanley Jordan Goldwire, for instance, and see how he performs there. Yeah. So, I mean, you, you talked about the, uh, the chance to see the freshman. I always like on the court. I think the, the one thing that we take away from countdown, the craziness, it's the first time that we get to see who plays with who. Uh, and in the, especially this year, when we really don't know how the rotation is going to break down. We're not going to get that answer per se on Friday night, but we're going to get something to talk about with who, which guys line up with, you know, on one side, who's on the other, who's playing well together, what kind of uh, rotations do we see from the big man and from the from the wings. And we'll start to see kind of how each person's game kind of meshes with the others, the rest of the team. And it's always fun to see, uh, you know, like Nolan Smith and and, and, uh, uh, and Nate James and John Shire playing coaches uh, because Coach K is going to sit this one out uh, like he normally does. Uh, but it's really fun to kind of see that side of things and, and kind of see, you know, just, you know, get a first glimpse at these players to see what we're, what we're dealing with. And, and on the, off the court, I actually like the intros because one, yes, I know most of the music because that's usually my style, but also it's the first chance for some of these players to, you know, show off their personality a little bit to the, to the Duke crowd at large. I mean, obviously the students know a little bit about some of their personalities because they've seen them on campus for a few weeks now but we get to see it for the first time. And I think that's where people start saying, Oh man, this guy's going to be really good. I really like his, I really liked the way he, you know, flipped this cup or whatever it is. Uh, so we're going to see what's some zany things. Wasn't it Chase Jeter that flipped the, Chase cup? Jeter that flipped the cup or flipped the, flipped the bottle. Yeah. Or whatever. And so that was, you know, one of his best highlights in a Duke uniform. And then he, and then he was gone. Then he was gone. So maybe don't flip any cups guys. Don't flip any uh, bottles. Yeah. Um, it's a bad, yeah, it, it's a bad harbinger. Yeah. But uh, I, I really like just, the fact that they get to, you know, after long summer of training and, and the first few weeks of practice, they get to kind of quote unquote, let their hair down and have a little fun. And I think that's what the point of this is, is to introduce our fans to this team uh, and really be able to have some, these guys to have some fun on the court in their first experience in Cameron. After that, the game starts to start, you know, we have the couple preseason games and then they all count. Like you said, we're less than a month away from, the first game, first official game uh, of the season. So I, I think for once they get to kind of introduce themselves to the world and say, this is us guys, this is the 2019-2020 Duke team, and we're here to have some fun tonight and all in celebration of Duke basketball. Yeah, I'm, the, the, I think in this season there are so many more unknowns given that outside of Trey Jones, none of the returning players are guaranteed starting spots and they're all going to be fighting for them. And I, you, you can imagine the season that, that most of the scholarship players are going to get a start because it's not, it's not going to mesh early for Duke. Maybe they will beat Kansas. Maybe they'll, they'll perform well early in the season, but it won't always work because there are, as you pointed out, there, there are too many pieces that we need to see sort of how they work together. Uh, who, who's taking shots, who is, you know, taking the lead on defense, who's going to be guarding the best perimeter player, guarding the best interior player. All of those things are questions that we don't have answers to yet, but that we're going to start to get a, a feeling for uh, once the guys step on the court. I also feel like in years past, we've had players come in as recruits who have a certain reputation. Maybe they come in as shooters. Maybe they come in as defenders or slashers or ball handlers. And it seems like just as often as not, 
those expectations sort of get flipped. So, oh, so-and-so came in as a great defender. Well, it turns out his defense needs a lot of work. So we're going to, we're going to get sort of that, that first glimpse this week. And we're going to be back in Cameron indoor. And I think that's a good mm-hmm. thing that everybody looks forward to. The, uh, the crowd will be fired up. Everyone's going to be excited to be back in college basketball's most famous arena, college basketball's coolest. Ar- I don't know how we would describe Cameron Indoor Stadium. The best but, arena, but it's the best. So yeah. we're going to be we're going to be back in there this week, and and it and it, it, I guess it's fall now, so we have to be excited for basketball, right? Yeah, and a, a couple of final things. I think the other uh, two things that we look out for nowadays is for one, we will see uh, the official poster for the first time. It's always something that they like to unveil towards the end of Countdown the Craziness. And I guess in the last couple of years for Countdown, they have also introduced the 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 pregame hype video that they will use before introducing starting lineups, which. Always, they they always like to do on Duke Blue Planet. They also like to do the Instagram stories of when they're filming it, and so they give you little bits and pieces of the filming part of it. So it'll be cool to kind of see what that looks like, uh, so that we know how everyone in the stadium is going to get hype uh, before each game, uh, before the announcers introduce the starting lineups every single game. So that'll be pretty cool to see. And just to, you know, again, I think it's just a fun night, and I think for one night, I think it's cool to have a fun spectacle for uh fantasy we didn't ha- i didn't have this in school except for one year and i wish i did because every year it gets more and more fun to watch them because they as they seem to kind of go with it a lot more than they used to do in the past even when i was in school they just build this as the blue white game yeah and they just played the game they'd and that was switch, it they'd switch the jerseys at halftime and like that was the most interesting thing about it there were no over-the-top player introductions there was no it was just Welcome to Cameron Indoor Stadium, starting for the blue team, Brian Zubek, and off we go. Uh, and and it was always it's always strange for the for the new Cameron crazies. It's always weird because they're trying to learn the cheers and they don't know who to cheer for because both teams are Duke. Both teams are, are <laughs> and it, it's it, it's sort of a weird night, but it's but it's a lot of fun to. You can't practice any of the uh, the defensive like oh and the jumping up and down. Right, you, you have to you have to be really <laughs> you have to be really attentive to that stuff to be like all right yeah. guys we're gonna do the. We're going to do the defensive stuff now to distract the players, even though we're never going to do it for these guys ever again. So like, right. don't, don't make noise again on defense after tonight. <laughs> like you gotta, you gotta figure that out. So yeah. it's hard. It's hard. The, the, the crazies are smart people, but they need, they need training too. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, it will be fun Friday night, 7 PM. I believe is the start uh, It's going to be on the ACC network extra. So uh, ch- just check your local listings. Good luck. I, on- I honestly don't know what that means. I have ACC Network, but I doubt it will be on the main one. It's probably going to be are, on ESPN Plus or something like that. If you are smart enough to find us on your podcast feed, you are smart enough to find ACC Network Extra, which uh, I I have no idea if I have that. Perfect. I, we'll, we'll, we'll figure it I, out. I'm, I'm on campus. I assume that, that one of the televisions will, <laughs> will be able to show it to me. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but it will be fun. Friday night, guys. Get ready. It's countdown time. This episode of the Duke Basketball Report podcast is brought to you by the fine gentleman of Bird Campbell, PA, your business law firm started by two Duke class of 1978 graduates. If you are in need of legal representation and you live in Florida or Texas, Bird Campbell should be first on your mind. Check them out at birdcampbell.com and we thank them for their support of the podcast. Bird Campbell, 
means business. All right, Sam, let's get into some football. Uh, Duke football took on Georgia Tech Saturday. Uh, it was an attempt to rebound from their loss last week to Pitt. It was homecoming at Wallace Wade Stadium, and the guys went out and really took care of business. 41-23 victory for the Blue Devils in a game that was over probably halfway through the second quarter and puts Duke in a tie for first place in the ACC Coastal. Uh, give me your thoughts on the game, especially that first half. Duke, I thought, played some really excellent football. Yeah. This was clinical by Duke uh, for a homecoming game. Obviously, Georgia Tech is not having a great season. And I think when we quickly previewed this game last week, we pretty much said that Duke should handle Georgia Tech. And as you said, that was basically the case. They came out and Georgia Tech had the first score of the game. They they marched down the field and had a touchdown. But from there, it was basically all Duke uh, right up until the end of the second quarter. They kind of took their foot off the gas in the second half, which is fine by me. Uh, if if Duke is able to if Duke is able to do that in more games this year, that means that they are that they're cruising. So yeah. uh, so it was good to see. I, I think the the thing I'm most excited about is that they that they managed to um, they managed to sort of bring the heat mostly through the running game. Duke obviously lost Britton Brown last week for the season, which is a which is a huge hit generally to the offense, but but specifically to the running game. And it seems like everybody behind him stepped up a lot in this game. It wasn't, it's not just Quentin Harris who, who was able to run the ball. Um, Deion Jackson led the team with 20 carries. Uh, Mateo Durant had a bunch. And then, and then there were a few guys sort of behind who also got uh, rushing attempts, but Duke was really spreading the ball around in, in particular in the run game. They didn't have to rely on Harris that much in the passing game. So when he was airing it out, he, he was actually able to connect on some big throws and, and get the ball downfield. So the the offensive spread was nice. I also liked the the touch of Duke uh, running an, an option play for a for a touchdown there early mm-hmm. in the game, sort of telling you about the, <laughs> the changing of the guard with Georgia Tech not having Paul Johnson anymore, um, and and therefore them not running the triple option exclusively. They did still bust it out a couple times against the Blue Devils, but overall um, a really strong effort to unfortunately use the pun. Duke was swarming on defense uh, against the yellow jackets really didn't let them get anywhere in the first half. They had a, a huge fourth down stop that was sort of in Georgia tech territory in, in the first half um, that eventually led to a score. They had another uh, scoop and score on a, on a sack of Georgia tech. So uh, it was, it was all Duke also on the offensive side. Again, it sort of let up a little bit in the second half, but who really cares at that point? I, I think that, that Duke really needed this confidence booster to get to four and two in season. We're, we're still probably, it's been a little bit weird the last few weeks coming from that huge win at Virginia tech, where it seemed like Duke might really be building towards a great season to the unfortunate home loss against Pittsburgh. That was so gut wrenching. And then to have the, the homecoming game against Georgia tech be such a laugher gives you hope that Duke should be able to get to a bowl game again and, and, comfortably get over the six win mark um but obviously time will tell they have a much tougher test next weekend against virginia but but i'm excited from what we saw uh for the blue devils out at wallace wade this this uh weekend you know you mentioned the defense i'll get to the offense in a second but for the defense what really uh really made me proud was the fact that not only were they just methodical in in stopping 
the Yellow Jackets in the first half, they did it quickly. I mean, they were, I mean, they had some drives that lasted like 30 seconds and then they would, you know, be out of there. So that gives your offense more time to feel. That means your defense is is obviously rested because they didn't they weren't out on the field that long. And that left the rear in the go. Next time they had to come back on the field, they had the juice to keep it going. And I think it was in the second half they kind of let their, when they let their foot off the gas, they were on the field longer, which led to a little bit a few more big plays. Uh and and for Georgia Tech to kind of at least think they were creeping back into it. They obviously were, weren't close, but uh, I, I liked in the first half that, I mean, they had that one, uh, we scored a touchdown, we kicked it off to them, and then they didn't get past our 14-yard line. It took them about 20 seconds, and then we blocked the punt and, and ran that in for a touchdown. So in the span That's of 30 right, seconds. It wasn't, a, it, I wasn't, it, was, it wasn't a scoop score. It was a, it yeah, was it a was block a block punt. punt. Yeah. yeah, but it, it, in the end of the day, like 30 seconds, we scored 14 points. And they had four plays uh, in the middle of that. So that's something that you love to see for your defense. That's obviously something that we're going to need this Saturday when we play Virginia. Uh, Virginia was picked to win the ACC Coastal this year. They, you know, people think they're they're the still the class of the division uh, this year at least. So uh, real quickly, what before we wrap up, what do you think your key to victory is this weekend? What needs to happen for us to beat the Cavaliers in Charlottesville? Yeah. So I mentioned this is going to be a tough one. Um, Virginia's been been pretty good this season, although uh, they they did lose this weekend, didn't they? So they did, yeah. To to your Miami Hurricanes, they sure did. So, um, so they've also been a little bit up and down, but 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 still a class team. Um, I am uh, I'm looking forward to to Quentin Harris having having more of a role this weekend against Virginia and trying um, and trying to sort of match them on offense. They've they've been um, they've been pretty strong offensively this season. And and you hope that Duke is able to to move the ball quickly against them. Um, not, I mean, you know, Virginia will be favored by a few points, but certainly not a game that that is out of reach for Duke. And then looking ahead, what's interesting to me is they've got that game, and then what should also be a competitive game against UNC the weekend after in Chapel Hill, and then another bye week. So this is one of those seasons where all the teams get two bye weeks. The sketch the the opponents are good the next couple of weeks in Virginia and North Carolina, and then they get really good after the bye mm-hmm. week coming home against Notre Dame and Syracuse. So um, a scenario where Duke could Duke could capture up to maybe three wins in the next four games, but could also reasonably lose all those games. So mm-hmm. it's really going to be a, a a tone setter this week against Virginia after a much easier game against Georgia Tech. So. Last, or, uh, on Saturday against Georgia Tech, I think what I liked uh, that I think was a, is going to be a very major key uh, this weekend was the running backs ran with purpose. I thought Mateo Durant and uh, Deion Jackson both ran the ball very well. They saw holes. They found they found areas, and if they needed to mis- redirect, they were able to do that and get big yardage in a hurry. Uh, they were going downfield. They weren't you know lollygagging with the ball. They were going straight at people, and Virginia – really knows how to take care of the football. They also know how to defend the run. So if we can establish the run this week and if our guys can run with purpose like they did against Georgia Tech, that's going to be a major boost to the offense because that's going to open up a lot of avenues for even, even Quentin Harris as well as for uh, to, to run as well to pass because their, their whole thing, if they stop the run, that means you they're going to have to rely on the pass. But if we have that balanced attack that we did this weekend, we have a really good chance against Virginia. Yeah, and I just wanted to note from the game this weekend, Steve Spurrier was in town, and 
and spoke at halftime. Uh, he's great. So it was great to have the old ball coach. And Daniel Jones was back. He yep. uh, he stopped in for the night. I think he had a he had a Thursday night game. So yes. so he had a couple days off. I imagine after the Thursday night game uh, to show back up in Durham and and hang out with all the guys, which was cool. It's been it's been a, a fun start to the season with him in the starting lineup for the Giants, and uh, it was cool that he was able to take time out and come back to Durham to to visit the team again. So we had uh, we had we had good guests in town for the for the Georgia Tech game. Yeah, both of those clips, if you find them on Twitter, both of those clips about uh, talking about how he never lost UNC. And just that, you know, that was funny. But also, Daniel Jones in a locker room after the game, how he was received by the players. They let him put the uh, the little Blue Devil uh, head on the wall uh, to signify job well done. I-, I thought that was pretty cool that he was welcomed back. I mean, obviously, they were going to welcome back. But it was clear that the guys, there's obviously a lot of guys on this team that played with him. Um, and just the fact that they basically like bear hugged him and threw him in the middle of the, of the celebration uh, dance little circle that they were doing uh, was really cool to see. So it was good to see those guys back on campus, especially the old ball coach who uh, I still wish had in, uh, a coach's vote uh, because he always takes care of us in the first game of the season. So uh, shout out to the ball coach and Danny Dimes for returning to the Gothic win. Okay, Sam, we, we said we were going to have a short show, and we are already at parting shots. So what uh, what do you got for us this week? Yeah, there was a cool note, inter- or it, not cool, I guess it was interesting note this week. Um, Coach K had some comments about all the changes going on in college basketball that um, that I wanted to highlight. I don't think, I think this happened like right after we recorded um, last weekend, but um, Coach K had some, was basically saying that, uh, the NCAA and their and their rules are sort of behind the times that, uh, you know, the, the players deserve to be making money off of their name, image and likeness and and all that to sort of say that he's he's on board with with what it feels like is the sea change in college basketball. And I think for for a long time, you would have assumed that Coach K would be sort of one of the old guard in this regard. You know, he's been he's been coaching. He's been a head coach in college basketball for 45 years. So mm-hmm. it's hard to change the mind of a guy like that, but obviously he's adapted the last few years to the to sort of the reality of recruiting elite players in the modern day, and he's he's figured out how to incorporate the one and done into the program and and keep the teams performing at a high level. And I think he's he's seeing this change now. Obviously, he's not he's not new to learning about sort of the the money that people can make from from big time advertising. He's been a recipient of that certainly between Nike and American Express and all the other um, all the other promotions and advertising that he's done, but to hear him state pretty pretty definitively that he's on board for the changes that are coming and that he doesn't really support sort of the NCAA's current stance was was interesting to hear uh, from such an experienced head coach. I, I wasn't surprised to hear him say that he's kind of hinted at some of the things that you've you've uh, talked about uh, over the last couple of years. He's kind of even within his home program, he's adapted uh, to the times a little bit. He's, you know, recruiting, you know, guys that are, are one and done something that we probably wouldn't have done 10 years ago. I mean, he even let Zubik have a beard. I mean, like stuff like that. I mean, what, all bit small things are things that are, are a signal of a guy who 
is willing to listen to the players and willing to listen to the times and say, this is what needs to happen for us to keep our program successful. And he's going out and doing that. And I think that, so I wasn't surprised to hear him say that. What I was, I, what was interesting was how he directed it. I think he directed it at the NCAA and in the years past, he hasn't been as direct to the NCAA about things like that. The, the thing that I find interesting about it is that we've talked about this before on the show about how, you know, there's probably a, a limited pie's worth of, of advertising money that, that coaches, athletic directors, athletic departments, and then the players could potentially share in, right? Mm-hmm. Between big, you know, big sponsorships from like Nike's and then the, and then the Nissan dealer in, in, in Durham or, or wherever you're, your team is based and the general thought is that the ad's and coaches and all the guys who are currently making the most money from all the sponsorships are the ones who stand to lose the most in sort of the future of the game where where players are likely able to make more of that pie Um, perhaps they're able to as they say enlarge the the pot but but generally it's you know if there's a certain amount of money that's available for that advertising and more of it goes to the players, it means less is going to the coaches. And mm-hmm. and I think a lot of the rhetoric that we hear from NCAA and, and college leadership is always, well, we need to preserve the integrity of the game, et cetera, et cetera, which personally I think is often sort of couched in, in them not really representing the state of things in good faith because they are the ones who stand to lose. Right. And they're going to, they're going to represent that to, in a way that sort of benefits them or you can't really take it fully seriously if they're the ones who are going to lose. But coach K obviously doesn't need so much more money. He's made a lot of money in his career, but, but coach K coming out and saying this kind of stuff really shows to me that he is still thinking about these issues, sort of the the way that I do uh, and the way that I think a lot of fans do. And, And it's refreshing to hear from somebody who is so ingrained in the thing and who does currently benefit so much from it. And, likely would lose out in some way because advertisers are going to want to pay Trey Jones something. Mm -hmm. uh, And that something might be coming directly out of coach K's salary. Right. Yeah. It'd be interesting to see how many other coaches kind of uh, speak out about this in the coming weeks. I think it's going to be something that only gains a little bit of steam as uh, the California law, you know, becomes more ingrained into the media as well as some of these other states that are so that was a good note. Thanks for bringing that up. Uh, my parting shot is a shout out, of course, uh, to the Washington Mystics. They won the WNBA championship this past Thursday right here in D.C. Uh, I know Sam and I are happy about it, uh, along with the Washington Nationals making the NLCS for the first time. It's been a great week for D.C. sports. But for the Mystics uh, side of things, I want to give a special shout out to my homie, Dan Nolan, uh, who is a producer and sideline host for Mystics games he's also a fellow duke alum i know sam knows him as well he is a really good guy i don't just know the guy he's in my fraternity oh there you go and there are there are a number of my fraternity has produced a lot of of guys who were sports writers for the chronicle Mm -hmm. dan i don't think was on chronicle but he did like he did some like video production in college um and he's he's a couple years behind me but yes very proud of of uh, of his work with the Mystics. You could finish telling us about it. Yeah, yeah, and, and it's funny when he moved to DC. Um, I got to know him because we started a special program where uh, we paired uh, people who lived in DC with freshmen that were coming moving to DC uh, 
fresh from graduation is kind of a way to acclimate them to the area and, you know, have a, like a mentor of sorts. So he was, he, he was my mentee. He is my mentee that uh, we drew the very first year. So uh, I am proud that he is now getting a ring as a member of the Washington Mystics uh, office. So congrats to him. Congrats to the entire Washington Mystics on running it back and bringing a championship home to DC, uh, a monumental effort. I think you know what I'm talking about. There you um, go. Yeah, hey, Donald, that's, some, that's some A plus branding. Uh, Thank from you. you. Yeah. Great job. Uh, well, maybe they'll hire me. Uh, <laughs> but uh, that's going to do it for episode 168 of the Duke Basketball Report podcast. Uh, Sam and I will be back next week to break down, count down the craziness. And depending on timing, uh, whenever Jason comes back, Jason will return as well. But he might still be somewhere in Europe um, at that. If not, it'll just be Sam and I. We'll talk to you again. But until then, for Sam and Durham, and for Jason somewhere in Europe, I'm Donald. Thank you for tuning in, and Duke Band, take us up. Let's go Nats!